Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. Today we're going to finish off our MSK topics and we're going to wrap it up with some common articular and periarticular disorders of the arms and legs. Exactly. So yep. in, in this talk we'll be um, covering bursitis, rotator cuff, tendonitis, adhesive capsulitis or frozen shoulder. Yep. Tennis elbow, yep. golfer's elbow. And plantar fasciitis as well. So these yep. are some of the stuff that you come across which I think is important for us to briefly cover mm -hmm. so that you're more familiar with it as we finish off MSK. Yep. So Andy, do you want to kick us off by talking about bursitis? Yep. Okay, so just a quick revision. A bursa was a thin-walled, fluid-filled sac that basically cushions mm. the soft tissue from any, let's say, hard bony structures or, you know, just prevents the actual uh, structure from being damaged from external uh, stresses. Exactly. So yeah. bursitis is when the bursa itself is inflamed. That's right, yeah. And so the reason why this could be a problem is that once it's inflamed, then it could potentially affect the tendons that go over it and, yep. and hence that could be problematic. It's also quite uncomfortable and it's associated with a lot of pain. Yep. So what causes bursitis, Andy? Yep. So they have a cushioning effect and when you use it too much or excessive frictional forces are uh, applied onto it or overuse or trauma, um, they can cause the bursa to become inflamed. Also yeah. that uh, systemic infections and systemic diseases as well can mm. cause bursitis. Exactly. Mm. In terms of diagnosing bursitis, um, I think it's predominantly based on clinical history and examining, performing a musculoskeletal exam. Mm -hmm. And you can occasionally visualize it on an ultrasound. Mm. And with regards to treatments, it's really straightforward. So you just want to rest mm -hmm. the, um, the affected region and mm -hmm. make sure that you uh, remove the aggravating causes as well. So if it's, you know, a sporting injury, then cut back on the sport and yep. allow, allow the region to heal. Mm -hmm. Are there any other sort of pharmacological treatments? Yes. And so NSAIDs are a very common treatment. And so they would be used when appropriate for the individual person. And then you can also consider using glucocorticoid injections locally to the area to reduce the uh, inflammation. Yeah, that's right. So that's it for bursitis. Let's quickly talk about rotator cuff tendonitis because that's been mentioned a few mm -hmm. times in our lectures. Yep. Um, so what is um, the rotator cuff? Let's yep. start with that. So the rotator cuff is a group of muscles that are basically hold your shoulder joint in place, isn't mm -hmm. it? So it's made up of the subscapularis, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, and teres minor, these four muscles. Yep. And they converge onto the humerus or your, um, you know, your shoulder uh, your arm bone. Your arm bone. Yeah. And they form this cuff that helps with, I guess, just stabilizing it in yeah. place. Also, yeah. And it helps with, you know, movements of the shoulder as well to an extent. Yes. Um, but the, the interesting thing about it is that all of them converge almost to the, to the same area on the humeral bones sure. on the, um, the greater tuberosity, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And so, you know, why, why do we get ten, like tendonitis of it? So obviously it's to do with the tendon. So attachment yep. of the muscle to the bone. What mm. happens? And is there a particular mm. one that's at a greater well, risk? They all, they all join onto the um they all join onto the short uh the i think the the joint but there's uh the superior muscle i think that's the supraspinatus mm. over there yeah. that if you look at an anatomy text you'll see that it's sandwiched between your acromion mm. which is one of those bones that um that goes across on the top of your shoulder as well as other structures around it as well so yeah. that's sandwiched in between there and so that it's a really tight space and any sort of inflammation or repeated injury to that area or overuse can cause it to swell up and that can cause impingement exactly um, can elicit pain from from uh, compressing other structures. that's right and so what happens is that if this and you know once it once it gets inflamed it can potentially lead to degeneration of of the cuff and it can then go into a rotator cuff tear which is obviously okay. not the most ideal situation mm. because it can almost render that arm very 
difficult or the shoulder very difficult to use. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the symptoms that patients present with? Let's say, for example, with the supraspinatus tendon, the supraspinatus is uh, used in elevating the arm. So you will have pain, uh, especially with activities involving elevating the arm to a certain degree, and also something to do with, let's say, forward flexion, which is, I guess, another one of those functions of the general rotator cuff um, group of muscles. You can also have a dull aching shoulder, which could interfere with sleep, and sometimes severe pain when the arm is uh, abducted, or yeah. just pulled away from midline. So how do you treat this condition? Okay, in terms of treatment, once again, NSAIDs as well as local glucocorticoid steroid injections mm-hmm. would be one of the things that you could do to help reduce inflammation on the area. Yeah. Um, can you think of anything else? I think um, non-pharmacological approaches probably include physical therapy, rest yes. uh, mm-hmm. of the area as well. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the condition is so bad that the, um, let's say the supraspinatus uh, tendon is so compressed that you might need surgical decompression of, of that space mm-hmm. to enable the, um, the tendon inflammation to settle down. But generally, it's conservative treatment approaches tend to do the trick. Sure. So that's rotator cuff tendonitis. Let's quickly talk about um, adhesive capsulitis or a, a common term for it is called a frozen shoulder, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And what's that all about? What happens is that there's something that happens to the capsule of the shoulder joint. And so we can probably think of it as probably it may follow bursitis or tendonitis of the shoulder, or it could be associated with, let's say, systemic diseases that uh, somehow also affects the capsule of the shoulder. Um, Sometimes if the shoulder is prolongedly immobilized at the the arm as well, um, that can cause a development of this adhesive capsule. And sometimes if, if, like, let's say the capsule, the capsule in the shoulder joint may also be thickened and there you could find it to have characteristics of some mild chronic inflammation Mm -hmm. and other fibrosis occurring as well. So since, you know, that area is quite tight. I, I believe that could affect the functionality. Exactly. Yeah. So that brings us yep. onto the symptoms. So yep. um, uh, as a consequence of this changes in the shoulder capsule, then, you know, there's probably pain and restriction on um, shoulder movement. Yeah. Um, it gradually, um, so what would happen is that the pain and stiffness usually um, develops gradually, but then it gets progresses really rapidly to the point where the patient can't really move. Mm-hmm. their shoulders and also the pain is really um, excruciating at night time when the patient's yeah. trying to sleep. Mm. Um, with regards to diagnosing it, how do you approach the diagnosis of, of this condition? Well, I think there would be uh, physical examinations that can be done too yeah. and probably with a history as well you could find out about it. Um, there's also this particular procedure called an arthrography that, mm-hmm. uh, that clinicians use to yeah. diagnose it. And what about treatments? It's pretty much similar to the other ones. Okay. Rest, rest the area. Um, sometimes you don't even need to do anything. It's spontaneous resource within a year, to, you know, a year to three years, which isn't ideal for the patient as they have to put up with it for so long. Mm-hmm. But um, it, you know, gradually improves with time. If they need pharmacological intubation, like we mentioned with the other cases, it's usually glucocorticoids and NSAIDs. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously physiotherapy can help as well sure. to get some of that mobility back and prevent that shoulder from um, freezing again. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to add about? frozen shoulder not quite not not that i can think of great so let's quickly move on and talk about um tennis elbow what's another name for tennis elbow well it's i think it's called a lateral epicondylitis Mm -hmm. but i definitely say tennis elbow sounds more catchy doesn't it yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's much easier to remember and so you know what 
area of so i'm assuming it's to do with some somewhere in the elbow yeah and what's involved it involves the uh, lateral epicondyle yeah and you would uh, if you know your anatomy you would know that from the lateral epicondyle of your um, elbow mm-hmm. that's where all the extensor muscles are yeah. attached so that's uh invo- extensors of the forearm right of the forearm yeah. as well as uh, cocking the wrist back that's right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so you know the reason you get it is probably again due to um you know uh, over activity of the muscles involved mm-hmm. for example um you know patients tend to get symptoms at the site but also it could radiate to towards the arm mm-hmm. uh, towards the forearm and on the dorsum of the wrist or on the back of the wrist yeah um and usually the pain comes up after you know let's say they play tennis because that's a common example or yep. they um uh, perform activities where they're constantly extending the wrist mm-hmm. that might be um, a reason why this occurs mm-hmm. um how do you treat this condition, Andy? Yep. And so you would see the trend, and as you mentioned as well, so you would either usually rest the um, rest the affected arm mm-hmm. as well as use NSAID uh, uh, anti-inflammatory yeah. painkillers to, to reduce the inflammation and help that heal. Exactly. And I think, you, you know, the general guidelines are that you rest it for about a month um, and then mm-hmm. minimize, then after that, minimize activities that could aggravate the symptoms mm-hmm. um, and also strengthen the uh, extensors to um to improve the symptoms and to prevent this occurring in the future sure um is there anything else that you want to add about tennis elbow uh not quite a tennis elbow but now that we're on a roll we might talk about its closely related cousin the golfer's elbow yeah sure yeah they're all sporting related so let's let's talk about it so so what's in like the technical term for golfer's elbow so that this time we're talking about the medial epicondylitis so this is on the op- completely opposite side of the elbow, and on this side you've got the attachment of the flexors yep. and the pronators of the forearm yes. as well as the wrist. Actually, we forgot to mention with tennis yep. uh, elbow as well, it's the supination process can also um, cause exacerbation of that. Yes, and so well. I guess you have to just uh, try and uh, avoid restrict activities of forcibly extending and mm. supinating that wrist Absolutely. for tennis elbow. Yeah. But um, pretty much once you've learned tennis elbow, just swap the terms to uh, flexion, yeah, exactly. and pronation, and then you've got golfer's elbow. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And again, um, you, in terms of managing the symptoms, you mm-hmm. probably need to have have it rested for mm-hmm. uh, you know for approximately a month. Very similar treatment approach. NSAIDs mm-hmm. can help and glucocorticoid injections if it's really severe. Yeah. But in terms of symptoms, it's got a very interesting mm-hmm. manifestation, doesn't it? Mm. Which if, one? Which, if, what did you mean? Golfer's elbow, I think, because of the mm. way the ulnar nerve runs into the hands, you might actually get, is it uh, ulnar neuritis, I think, okay. that you might get. And mm-hmm. you, get, you might get um, loss of sensation in the hands and related to the... Um, yep coverage of the owner which is what it's, it's the index uh, the it's the small finger yep uh, the fifth finger fourth finger and half of the third isn't it yeah yeah and your first finger obviously being the thumb is the way we're counting it isn't it yes um so aside from that the management seems to be very similar to um uh, tennis elbow mm-hmm. let's finish off this very short conversation by talking about plantar fasciitis mm-hmm. um so now we've gone all the way down to the foot yeah so what's that all about Okay, so the plantar fascia, to, to me, I think it's a fascia layer on the bottom of the, on the sole of your foot, isn't it? Yes. And um, repeated strain injury can cause an inflammation and micro tears in the bo- on the bottom of your foot. Yes. Um, can you think of some risk factors for them? I think um, it's usually if you walk and really, uh, I think I actually had this when I used to work before I came oh, into really? medical school. Yeah, because I was always on my feet all the time. Yeah. So I think if you're on your feet all the time and you're not wearing appropriate footwear and mm-hmm. you're you know walking on really hard surfaces, that's a big risk factor. Yep. I think if you're um, 
flat-footed or have a high arch, that's another key issue that needs sure. to be corrected. So a, a term you guys might come across is called um, pest planter. So that's flat-footed or pest cavus. So it looks like a cave. So that's really pest, high arched foot. Pest planus and pest cavus. That's right. Yep. Um, are there any other sort of risk factors that you can think mm, of? I think obesity is mainly yeah. uh, is a factor yeah. where you've got just excess weight and so it increases the burden of the plantar fascia. That's right. Um, yeah. And also some limited dorsiflexion of the ankle can also... Uh, uh, exacerbated yeah mm. yeah and so aside from pain are there any other symptoms that that you might come to expect is it mm. worse on moving or is it worse on resting how mm. how do you differentiate it between other things mm. i think one of the things that they commonly describe it as is that patients experience a severe pain on the very first few steps mm-hmm. arising in the morning and then as you as it warms up a bit it seems to go away yeah but if you do increase like let's say uh continued activity or increasing with a lot of weight-bearing activity that might make it a bit worse yeah so it kind of gets better as you move but then if you keep moving then obviously it's mm-hmm. going to exacerbate it so you need to stop yeah um are there um, any good approaches to diagnosing it aside from you know taking a good history mm. so a history of physical examinations should be suffice but you can use ultrasounds mm. to yep. to look at it and i think they look a bit hypo sorry hypoechogenic um, what does that mean? I think is that looking more white, isn't it? Uh, uh, wait, hypo. Hypo, less white. Less white. Yeah, yeah. because there's lots more fluid and fluid doesn't conduct. Because you've got edema. Uh, yes, uh, of the um, of the plantar fascia. Yeah. And on a radiograph, you might see heel spurs. And mm. heel spurs are, I think they're bony spurs. Yeah, you had a really good explanation mm. for this. Um, okay, so the plantar fascia, it attaches onto, one of the attachments is the heel, uh, the cal- calcaneus bone of yep. the medial tuberosity. Um, so that's the that's the heel bone, and so in plantar fasciitis, sometimes you can tug on the plantar fascia, and that in a way tugs onto the bony attachment. Yeah. We've learned about in bone generation that when you tug and you p- apply external forces long term wise, that changes how the bone is developed, and yeah. that might cause the bone to actually grow towards the uh, plantar fascia. So it's kind of like a growth factor, isn't it? it and that does. pulling motion. Yes. Probably something to do with the osteo osteocytes that we've mm. alluded to Maybe it's ages a, ago. Is it osteophyte or something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's like a bony outgrowth. Yep. And so that's what they call a heel spur or a bone spur. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can occur and that, that could be quite painful, I, yeah. I understand. And I think you can use MRIs as well, but that, uh, to mm. me that seems really excessive to mm. diagnose with an ultrasound. But, you know, maybe for early detection of the condition. Maybe. And how do you treat it? Okay. Um, I presume like rest and like reducing the, the activities. <laughs> we sound like a broken record. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So reduce and uh, discontinue the activities that exacerbate the plantar fasciitis. Um, but I don't know whether if that actually means stop the patient from walking around. Probably not. I think if, you know, like uh, weight loss, avoiding um, walking on hard surfaces, use wearing shoes that have much more padding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also if you're a high arched then mm-hmm. or a low arched um, foot, then wearing okay. orthotics is important. Okay. Sure. With regards to pharmacological approaches, again, NSAIDs and glucocorticoid steroids. Yep. But in some circumstances, like the rotator cup, if it's mm-hmm. really bad, yep. then you might need to um, uh, perform a plantar fasciectomy. So that's just releasing the tendon and improving yep. the symptoms. Sure. So that's it. I don't have. Do you want to add anything else? No, I think that's um, that's it so far. That's for MSK, our... isn't it? Yes, that was really quick, actually. Yeah, um, yep. We're really excited. So our next topic is going to be neuro. So oh stay tuned for our future. <laughs> we're really, uh, you know, we're it's a difficult topic, but we'll try our best to explain it. Do you want to before we finish up, tell the audience what you have been up to for, oh, for the yes, neuro actually, component? Okay, so um, 
we've expanded into YouTube. Hooray! Uh, so now about time, I think. Yes, and so now we're going to have mediums which also give a bit of a visual component to it. Yeah. And so we're going to try and incorporate a bit more about like a, I guess a visual diagram. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please go to uh, YouTube and search up Common Rounds. That should be the first thing that pops up. Yep. And please subscribe. Thank you so much for your our time. And um, yeah, we'll we'll stay, stay, stay tuned for our new episodes yeah, on Neuro. Our core editor, Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.